Warning, the following podcast contains foul language, sexual themes, and all sorts of other fun stuff. Listener discretion is advised. What? What? Excuse me? What the fuck is this? What the fuck? Did you just have me read? (laughs) This is like... James Patterson had an idea and was like, what if I make some bird kids? And then he wrote it and he read it and he was like, nah, not crazy enough. So then he went and got some cocaine, snorted it, came back, rewrote it, read it again, was like, nah, still not crazy enough. Dropped some fucking acid, went back and rewrote it again. (laughs) What is this? I told you that it was weird. Look, if you remember the insane writing style that was present in the fan fiction that I wrote about Maximum Ride, do you understand where it came from now? I... I I feel like quirky teen ADHD (laughs) has become its own genre within this (laughs) book. I read a lot of young adult, but uh, never was it this young adult. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what year is it? We don't don't have to do that anymore. (laughs) It's 2021. And we're reading Maximum Ride. (laughs) Welcome to Literary Masters. (laughs) I'm Emmy. I'm Sarah. Uh, we started reading Maximum Ride, The Angel Experiment, and I feel a little bad because in the final episode of Twilight, I put that we were reading chapters 1 through 30 because um, I forgot exactly how many chapters we were reading, but it's chapters 1 through 25 this week, um, which is insane to fucking think about. We, in less pages than was chapters one through five of Twilight, we have gotten through 25 chapters of Maximum Ride. I'll, I'll just go ahead and take my note from chapter two and say it here. I expected when, because there's 120 something chapter, 140 something chapters. 134 chapters. 130, it was book. right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I expected the chapters to be used like scene breaks with how many there were. It wouldn't even be correct to say they're used as beat breaks. (laughs) They just happen in the middle of beats sometimes. Yes. There is no rhyme or reason to Uh the chapters changing. It would just be like, character walks in. Hi. Chapter thin. (laughs) chapter then yes i yeah this was something that i was very ready for because you will get to a point later where there are several chapters that are one paragraph long what is the point of the chapter change (laughs) it's so superfluous that i can't even begin to comprehend what james patterson's thought process was when he was doing it the like it makes a little bit more sense later down the line when you get the perspective changes. Yeah. But early on, it's insane because you're just like, okay, she wakes up, she goes downstairs. Oh, chapter two. Okay, got it. Uh 
But even with the perspective changes, it's like, you could just put more in one chapter before the perspective change. Now, here's the thing. I, I'm going to ask you this. Okay. Why are chapters? Why are chapters? Why are chapters? And I know, like, I know, I know in general why chapters exist, but I think that the general understanding and like the wide array of ways that people treat chapters, like we've got Stephanie Meyer on one end of the spectrum where it's like she takes an entire arc of the story and fits it into one chapter. And then you've got James Patterson. Arc? Do we call it an arc? Shh. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and then in James Patterson, it's like literally just these little moments in between, which are the chapters. And I think it's it just comes down to a matter of people are going to utilize chapters however they want. And it, I, I'm, you know what, personally, no more chapters. We're abolishing chapters. You write the story from beginning to end. No breaks. Okay. See, I thought about that. <laughs> But no, I value chapters. It's good. It's good. It's good for readers. You know, you can say, "Here's a good place for me to stop reading for now." They're very useful when you like <laughs> when you use them. For, Stephanie, My, they're on like you said, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. James <laughs> Patterson uses chapters so much that they might as well be pointless. There's there's no rhyme or reason to them anymore. They don't need to continue existing. He just puts <laughs> them in wherever he decides he wants to see chapter something. Yeah. And then Stephanie Meyer puts so much into a chapter that you can't figure out why it's all still in the same chapter. Why it all fits together. Why am I reading 25 pages of what happened over three months that nothing happened? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Would you? laughs> so this week we we are splitting uh the angel experiment and probably the rest of the, the books in the series as well up into page sections rather than chapter sections because um it it would just be impossible because some of the chapters are six pages long and some of them are a single paragraph long so, uh, we read the first 80 pages of Maximum Ride, which wound up being the first 25 chapters. And Exactly. At, yes, Ex exactly. I, I, I said when we were breaking up, I was like, we should do like 90 pages. And you pulled it up and you're like, that's the end of a chapter. I'm like, oh, perfect. And I was like, wait, 80 would be a little better. And you flip, you flip to page 80 and you're like, also the end also of a chapter. Also the end of a chapter. L luckily, with the way the chapters are structured, no matter what page you choose, it's quite likely to be the end of a chapter and there's you got a 50 50 shot <laughs> there's 422 pages in the book so if we split it up like 80 80 80 and and then like the final one is just the the, the last 82 pages then it'll be six episodes for this book we'll see honestly how long it takes us to get through these 25 chapters because a lot happens but also what's there to talk about i don't know <laughs> I have a lot of feelings, but I don't know how long it's going to... Everybody is going to get to enjoy this experimental episode with us as we figure out if this is going to be the correct format. It's going to be like episode one and two of Twilight <laughs> all over again. Yes, except, except we, we have a 
slightly yeah. better idea of what we're doing. We do have a better structure. So for those of you who are new here, who didn't want to listen to the whole 36 episodes of the Twilight series, honestly, I can't blame you. Those books were absolutely inane. Uh, what we do is we write summaries of each chapter, uh, usually alternating between chapters, but for the, (laughs) for the sake of our sanity, we did it every two chapters for Maximum Ride. We could have done like every three, really. Honestly, the whole point is that when you're reading, it's easier if you get to take a break between chapters in writing, uh, summaries. But with this, if you did it every other chapter, you would never have a break and then it would take forever to get through. So we read summaries of chapters and then in between our summaries, we'll usually give thoughts and notes on what happened in that chapter or just the random things that were said. Essentially, we're here to deconstruct this entire book, this entire book series uh, down to its very essence and probably dismantle what it was supposed to be in the first place. When we did Twilight, I would read everything. And yeah. Then I would go back and write the summaries because I could just flip through the 40 page chapter and like remember the mm-hmm. five things that happened, if that, and write it down real quick. I tried to do that for this, got to chapter four, and was like, nah, I'm going to have to write these summaries as I read this. Yeah. There's no way I'm going back and doing it. That has always been my methodology, um, and it be, it just becomes even more chaotic in this one because you're like you start to write the summary, and then you're like, my summary is going to be longer than the chapter. Yes, <laughs> the thing is, like Twilight, I would write like a twenty word summary for a forty page chapter, but for Maximum Ride, I'm writing summaries longer than the chapter. Is oh long. yeah, like, what the. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Maximum Ride, because I know that uh, Twilight was a much more popular series than Maximum Ride was, at least to the general public, um, it's very fast paced. A lot happens in these, a lot happens in these first 80 pages. Um, There's a lot of exposition and not a lot of time at all. Um, And there's, there's just a lot that goes on it's not like twilight where you get through the first five chapters and you're like we haven't even had the inciting incident and it's been 110 pages the inciting incident happens on page 14 of maximum ride i'll give it that uh the pacing is a lot easier to deal with yes in terms of keeping your focus Uh uh-huh it's a little too accelerated (laughs) yes absolutely i told you last night when i finished my notes i was like i got everything i read the first 25 chapters and did all of my notes and summaries in under an hour um which honestly i i at this point would much rather have that than the twilight series which would to read the the five chapters that we would have to read every week it would take me hours to get through because it was just so slow and groggy and just like, oh my God. But this, very fast. Oh, quick reads. <laughs> let's start. Let's let's begin. Um, so the prologue, uh, Max opens the story by warning the reader that they absolutely cannot, under any circumstances, put the book down once they start reading. Uh, oops, I've already done that. Fuck, okay. <laughs> she introduces- You done fucked up. I know. 
She introduces herself as being the 14-year-old head of household to a group of five other kids. Fang what are those Iggy- tax forms like? Uh, you know, she's got a... <laughs> Uh, so the other kids are Fang, Iggy, Nudge, the Gas Man, and Angel, who were created by a nefarious group of scientists at an institute known as the School, and are only 98% human. She also describes another school experiment, Erasers, who are half human, half wolf, and designed to hunt. Max warns the reader that while this story is about her, it could be about just about anyone. And... Uh, that doesn't... Co- I kid you not, that doesn't even really come into play until, like, book four. So, like, (laughs) the fact that this is at the very beginning of book one is, like, okay, what's the point of this? Jane Patterson, did you have just a general idea of what you were going for and you happened to get there by book four? Or did you actually have this entire insane story planned out and you were just running with it? I would be surprised if he knew where this story was, like, 100% where the story was going from the very beginning. Because in the first 25 chapters, you already ask, what? Like, 12 times. So, uh... (laughs) It reads like somebody that writes crazy fan fiction did drugs. And then wrote crazy fanfic. So you're starting to understand where 13-year-old me came from, right? Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so my only note on this prologue is I want to make a note right now um, because we have a lot of really crude, weird humor that we use on this show. Um, these characters are not portrayed in a way that is accurate to their printed ages. Uh, they all behave in ways that are more accurate to characters that are like four or five years older than their respective ages. And that's kind of a plot thing where like they're mature because they're like experiments and they're on the run and stuff like that. Um, the younger characters, they definitely display more childish characteristics like early on, but like it, it wears off pretty quickly. Like the, the way that they act like actual young kids, um, especially Angel, uh, who gets, like, progressively more mature as the books go on, um, but, like, a lot. And I, I I, want to say that this is all just a product of the plot and the fact that they're supposed to be more mature, but I also think a lot of it comes from the fact that this was being written by, like, a man in his 50s, and it's supposed to be from the perspective of a 14-year-old girl. Um, I, I'm not saying this ahead of time because we're gonna, like be weird about the children or anything but everything that they go through and all the weird humor that happens i want you to know that max though she's described as being 14 behaves and is written in a way that is much more accurate to like an 18 year old so just like know that going in (laughs) unfortunately though this book has left me unable to make any of my usual sexual commentary. <laughs> because they are 14. Um, I, I'll i just say, <laughs> if there was an of-age hot angel bitch in this book, I would be very happy. Oh, well, if we read all the way through to book 10, um, then we'll get there. <laughs> Unfortunately, all these characters are children. <laughs> So I'll just have to stick with making inappropriate jokes of another nature. (laughs) 
Um, but that's the prologue. So chapter one, Max runs through a forest, evading capture by a group of erasers outside the school. She eventually makes it to a cliff, which she leaps off of only to catch herself by spreading her wings and soaring upward away from them. As an eraser aims his gun at her, she veers out of their line of sight. Max wakes up from her nightmare and makes a mental note to give her subconscious a pep talk before going to the kitchen to make breakfast. And nope, nope, that's it. That's that's the entire chapter right there. Uh-huh. She she wakes up from a nightmare and goes to the kitchen to make breakfast. Um we do learn that a man named Jeb took them in before disappearing two years ago, presumably dead, and that his house is a 15 out of 10 on the cool scale, as Max puts it. And I just gotta say, it's really nice that the reject of the Bush family decided to help out some kids from (laughs) a highly immoral and illegal science experiment. Do you think that whenever he would do something cool, he would look at them and then he would just say, please clap? (laughs) And they were like, we're good kids. Why are we supposed to be clapping for you? And he was like, please clap. Somebody. <laughs> Trump just walks in, starts making fun of him. He can't even fight back. <laughs> Dude, you just got bitched on by Trump. <clears throat> How did they get groceries? I don't know. Uh, I think think they describe later on that they like go and steal things like from a, t- a neighboring town but also i don't know like they go out and they pick strawberries and stuff but like you can't do that all the time yeah i have no idea how they get food especially because they need to eat a lot like that's described later yeah. on that they eat like animals because of the amount of energy that's exerted when they do their bird things Yeah, so chapter three. (laughs) It's family introduction time. Uh, First, we meet Gasman, or Gazzy, who is eight and has bowel issues, but is very sweet, Um, as as Max describes him. I I feel you, Gazzy. Yeah. (laughs) Iggy is a tall, pale, blind kid with an attitude and cooking skills, maybe. Uh, Fang is... 14, tall, dark, and exactly what you'd fucking expect of a dude who is 14 and calls himself Fang. (laughs) He is six feet tall at the age of 14. I was like, I was, I was like six feet tall at the age of 14. How tall are you now? Like, I'm 5'11", like I'm almost six foot. So I was, I was the height I am now at 14. (laughs) <laughs> wow. So you, you're Fang. You're also a vampire, and you're Fang from Maximum Ride. That's that's a heavy mantle. <laughs> to be fair, the way Fang is described definitely fits uh, the, the description of 14-year-old Emmy. <laughs> yeah, with your long... Sans facial hair. <laughs> black hair hanging in your face. Oh. <sighs> Exactly what you'd expect. A 14-year-old <laughs> who calls himself Fang. I cannot. Yeah. They all named themselves, by the way. So I can um, tell. <laughs> I don't actually I don't know if Angel named herself, because she was only two when they escaped from the school and like got names. 
So uh, she might have been the only one who didn't name herself, but, you know. Nudge is 11, groggy, and talks a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was I was hoping, I was going to say that she is a very bad waker-upper, um, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure that was going to hold. But no, it does. It does. <laughs> yeah. She's just really bad at waking up. That is a story element that, yes. <clears throat> that sticks. And then Angel is six and is Gazzy's sister. Okay. Who the fuck named somebody after a fart? He named himself after a fart. Somebody should have told him no. (laughs) Well, I mean, considering they only had one adult around and then everybody else is just children. Like Max never brings up the fact that it's weird that his name is the gas man. There's an adult. I know. <laughs> there or there was an adult. Yeah. <sighs> Angel is Max's favorite. And the feeling is mutual. Angel likes nesting and she can read minds. Another thing that really ages Max up a lot in this story is that she refers to Angel as her baby. Her baby. Constantly. Oh god, it hurts. All the time. It makes me uncomfortable. But it, it also it's really it weird. it also again lead, lends credence to the idea that they are written in a way that is not accurate to their ages at all. Um, so chapter four during breakfast, Angel asks the group if they want to go strawberry picking. Gazzy farts, and everybody decides to get out of the house into the fresh air. Angel asks Max to make a cake, but Iggy says he'll make it himself. So Max gets offended, only to realize it was actually Gazzy who said it. Using his ability to mimic voices. Angel with screams. His ass. No, not with his ass, <laughs> with his mouth. God damn it, Emmy. <laughs> Don't spread misinformation. There are people like Jen who have never read these books. Well, I'm sorry, Jen. <laughs> just gonna walk ass. just gonna wait walk away from this. Like, does he actually mimic voices with his ass? <laughs> Honestly, I mean like it wouldn't be ill-fitting <laughs> <laughs> um so angel screams and a bunch of erasers appear falling out of the sky number one <laughs> they fail to acknowledge at all the fact that they are two percent bird and they are eating eggs <laughs> like a bunch of fucking cannibals i never made that connection until just now that's so funny that was literally the first thing that came to mind when she, when Iggy was like, I'll make some eggs. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm also really proud of you for not bringing up the incredible scientific inaccuracy behind them being 2% bird, yet having giant bird wings that they can fly on. Oh, oh, I, that, don't worry. that And hollow bird bones. That'll come later. <laughs> uh, number two, though, where in the fuck did the erasers come from there is never any explanation <laughs> for the erasers showing up other than they literally they literally, literally fell from the sky so my only thought is that the implication is supposed to be that they came out of the helicopter that they later go to like they dropped down out of the helicopter they didn't hear the helicopter or see the i helicopter. know it's a little insane that they did it uh. they literally <laughs> from the sky look and they're wolves <laughs> they, they are wolves. birds no <laughs> they are wolves um 
Chapter 5, the kids fight the erasers but are quickly downed. Angel is kidnapped and Max is taunted by an eraser that she quickly recognizes as Jeb's son, Ari, who is only seven years old. So Max says they're stronger than than adults because they're mutants. <clears throat> they're just 2% bird. <laughs> How does being 2% bird equate to I can beat the shit out of an adult human? I, you know what? I was going to say, like, I don't want to spoil anything, but they had a lot of other experiments done to them. It's not just the 2% bird, as you can probably figure out by the fact that they, many of them have superpowers <laughs> completely unrelated to them being birds. Okay, so that is, a, okay. Yes. That's good to know, because I was just like, we had talked about it when we read your fanfiction. I was like, what the fuck? Do these powers have to do with being 2% Yeah, bird? no. They had other experiments done on them over the years that... There was a bug in my face. That... <laughs> that, um... Was that Jen? Jen, no. are you angry because I lied to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So, uh... There are other experiments that have been performed on them uh, that are outside of them just being part bird. Okay. Which is explained later, but, like, I'll just tell you now. Because otherwise it's just, you're just gonna keep going, like, wh- why? <laughs> it's a reasonable question if the only thing is yeah. that they're 2% bird. Birds, which is already... <laughs> birds are relatively, like, flexible and strong for their size, but, like, that doesn't conjure a superhuman uh child who is stronger than an adult man so do you know about the the diminishing returns on animal yes strength okay, when they yeah, when they're... yeah when they get big enough it's like they're too heavy <laughs> they become too heavy like king kong can't exist because he's yeah, too big like... neither can godzilla an elephant and when it comes to like strength an elephant can carry a heavy load but it's very low relative to its weight compared to what a yeah. man can carry. Yes. Um, it's, it's, there's a, a, a dinosaur, uh, the Apatosaurus um, was famous. I'm, that's probably, it might've been the Argentinosaurus. I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure someone will correct me. But one of them was so big that they spent their entire lives eating. They, like, could not bear the weight of themselves without constantly eating because of how big their bodies were. And then evolution said, fuck you, because they ran out of food. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that's that's why the herbivores went extinct, and then, in turn, that's why the carnivores went extinct. Yeah. Love dinosaurs. What happens when you stand around <laughs> eating all the time? Oh my god, we're kind of humanity. We're, we're kind of reading a dinosaur book right now. Ooh, I like dinosaurs. Because birds are dinosaurs. Birds are dinosaurs. Yeah. Have you seen the uh, the um, the meme of like dinosaurs died and became like we now use their like their whatever is left of them for oil, and then the oil becomes plastic, which becomes uh toy dinosaurs 
Like, in the false self, there remains evidence of the true self. We made them from the bones of their demise. Also, dinosaurs, many of them eventually would evolve into modern-day birds, including chickens, and we have dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets. In the false self, there remains evidence of the true self. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) This just got deep. (laughs) All right, chapter six. Yes. Max takes stock of the gang, Sun's angel, and is determined to go after her, even though the gang all looks chopped. (laughs) We get interesting descriptions in this book. Uh, She pushes away her pain before they hear an engine and see a Humvee on an unused road below them. She decides to give chase, knowing that's where Angel is. These erasers have dropped out of thin air, beat the shit out of them, stolen a child, and now have a Humvee that just came from somewhere. I'm I swear to God, is like the young adult fantasy version of mid to late Fast and Furious movies. Where just like (laughs) every scene is something new where you're like, what? Where did that come? What are they? How? Emmy, I'm going to pull a Let's Get Haunted on you. There's no time to explain. We got to go. We (laughs) don't dwell on it. Why did they just... Okay, but they just left the other five kids behind. They took Angel and just left everybody else after beating the shit out of them and knocking them out. Their escaped experiments. America, explain. Angel, without spoiling, is special. (laughs) They want Angel. all of them. Yes. Also, Angel is the, like, if you want to just base it on a theory that we can go off of right now, she's also the smallest and the easiest to acquire. So if they're trying to, like, pick them off one by one, or in theory, maybe lure the other kids back to the school, then why wouldn't they take Angel? Because the others are all going to fight back. And I know they got the shit kicked out of them. So in theory, the fighting back wouldn't really be that big of an issue. But if they're taking them away in a helicopter, the the idea that maybe they could, in theory, escape and just fly away is really not that out of the they realm of possibilities. Though. What? Angel, or not Angel. Um... It comes up in this chapter that I'm about to describe. Max can't fly when she's around the helicopter. That's a good point. But they also often they just drop. Yeah, they they drop and then they open up their wings and then they start flying. As in when the gang drops down on the car at the beginning of chapter seven and the erasers begin shooting at them. Uh-huh. Uh, they're heading for a clearing where a helicopter waits. Where did the helicopter come from? We don't know. And the gang knows that they'll need to grab Angel when she's being transferred. Except that there's a fucking grenade. (laughs) I don't know what happened. All I know is Humvee skids to a stop in the mud. Everyone's like, get Angel. And then a couple of them get almost blown up by a grenade. (laughs) 
Angel gets thrown in the helicopter, and Max grabs onto the landing skid as the copter takes off, but lets go when Ari prepares to shoot her, telling her that he and his crew are actually the good guys. All the while, screaming, Get to the chopper! (laughs) So it turns out Jeb was a scientist at the school, and he was the one who rescued the gang. Mm-hmm. Um, we already covered the fact that why the fuck did they just leave them there if they want to kill them? Uh, yeah. Look, if you're going to throw a grenade at the kids. <laughs> I think at that um, point it was more of like a, they don't really care who lives or dies. You know? You know what I'm saying? I'm just finding these these I erasers know. plans very I mixed know. signals. They're wolf boys. Ari is seven years. Ari is seven uh, years excuse old. Excuse me. He is. Uh, let me read you the last line of the chapter, which is uh, Ari's dialogue. In which he <laughs> says to Max, let me tell you a secret, old pal, old chap. You got it all wrong. We're the good guys. That's some Joker bullshit. <laughs> He's seven years old. <laughs> Who the fuck talks like that at seven years old? So, yeah. So they basically, when someone, the erasers, unlike the bird kids, the erasers became erasers after they were born. The bird kids were all experimented on pre-birth, whereas the erasers got the eraser treatment after, like when they were like young kids. And so it, like, drastically changes their bodies. And Ari now looks and acts like someone much older than a seven-year-old. Like, not even just, like, the way that all of the kids act older than their age. He, like, acts like a jaded 28-year-old. He acts like a jaded 28-year-old who wears a top hat, walks with a cane, and plans to overthrow the world's government's with the power of snark jen um you previously asked if you would get the cat with a new episode of the show the answer is still no but she is currently in my arms so that's probably the closest that we can get i'll get you the cat jen no she won't (laughs) the cat is my baby i wub her kind of like angel is max's baby except i'm an adult and i pay for lucy's caregiving max steals her angel's caregiving (laughs) we don't know uh so Uh, (laughs) chapter eight (laughs) the flock watches as angel is taken away in the helicopter max flies off to sit by herself for a while in a tree where she throws a little tantrum about angel being gone she punched tree she does punch tree Um, Chapter 9, the flock gets back to the house. Everyone very upset over what's just happened. Max starts to patch up Gazzy and thinks about how she does her best to be a good leader, but is honestly pretty clueless because she's 14. Uh, Tensions are high, so Max makes everyone shut up so she can plan. Nudge points out the erasers could have killed them all if they wanted to, which means they probably wanted Angel alive. Max and Fang conclude that they've taken Angel to the school. I'm pretty convinced at this point that the real reason this is young adult is because they can you can have the characters do crazy dumb shit and just chalk it up to but they're kids and then when they do smart shit he can just be like but they're smart kids yeah oh yeah um this this whole part where they're like where did they take her where could they have possibly gone and max and fang are like 
they probably took her to dun dun the school. And everybody's like, what? I'm like, guys, come on. You're supposed to be smart. <laughs> Where else are they going to take her? I'm sorry. Go on. To lunch. Oh, you know. So chapter 10, we find out that Icky is blind because the scientist tried to surgically enhance his night vision. Max's response to this? Oops. <laughs> she's really flippant a lot of the time. I laughed my ass off because you're yeah. just like, yeah, he lost his vision when they tried to surgically enhance his night vision. Oops. Carrying on. And also, how do you surgically enhance night vision? Please elaborate i don't know by cones and lenses i don't know (laughs) cone corneal retina sounds like a new fucking i don't know i mean no wait no hold on you surgically enhance i mean people get laser eye surgery To fix- how do you surgically enhance night vision? I mean, I don't know. Maybe if his regular vision got better, his night vision would also be better. It's funny because they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea the scientists were just trying to fix his vision and give him laser eye surgery. It's, and it- the laser eye surgery blind. <laughs> it's funny because they're like, oh, they're trying to uh, like fix his vision. They're trying to make his vision even better through surgery. And it's like, oh, they fucked up giving him that ability. But like later on, you find out about all of their other crazy abilities that they have. And it's like, so you did all of that by accident. But then the one thing you were trying to do on purpose, you blinded him. (laughs) You blinded a kid trying to give him good night vision. But you made a kid that can literally read minds. Good job, team. (laughs) So the reason the kids don't do anything about the school is because they fear being put in a zoo. This is extremely reasonable for a group of kids to fear. I, I can't really argue with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Fang pulls out some documents with mouse poop on them. They were in a closet. That's why there's poop on them. It feels like it's just weird details that James Patterson likes to add. Uh, the documents are Jeb's work stuff, including a folder with a topographical map of the school in California. Chapter 11. The gang is going to fly the 600 miles to rescue Angel. Uh, but Iggy wants to vote on it and reconsider. He does not like the idea of them returning to the school at all. And Max shuts him down because this is not a democracy. This is a Maxocracy. <laughs> and she says that they will not allow anyone in their family to be taken. But she does plan to leave Iggy and, and Gazzy behind. Which then upsets Iggy. Because... Why do they have to be left behind? Why can't they go to the school and help? Um. <laughs> I was so confused. I was sitting there like, why? you were just saying that you don't want to go and, and get her. So why are you suddenly upset that Max wants to leave you behind? Shouldn't you be like, oh, phew, thank God. What? I mean, I get that maybe he's upset purely because he's feeling like she's only leaving him behind because he's useless, not because he doesn't want to go. But still, like, you'd think he'd just be like, you're right, I'm useless. 
do I want to go to the place that will kill me? Not particularly. Can you can you read my note there in your voice in your <clears throat> axe voice? Oh Please. yeah yeah, <clears throat> bro, you're blind. The fuck are you gonna do? Use a flying stick? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I love doing that voice. <laughs> but seriously, they're like Iggy. You can get around the area we're in because you know the area. You you can't fly in areas you don't know because you're literally blind and you don't know where you're going. And it's not even just the flying. It's the, like, how are you going to navigate anywhere? They She even says that, like, he doesn't have any, like, preternatural ability to navigate anywhere while he's blind. In fact, he often gets tripped up if someone leaves something on the floor or moves a piece of furniture. In this, in, like, one of these chapters... He even almost sits on Nudge on the couch because he can't see that she's there. He doesn't do anything to counteract the blindness. It's just his blindness is counteracted purely because they've lived in the same place for a very long time and they never leave the house. Give him a flying stick. Oh my God. I was so frustrated reading that. You'd really think in a book where everyone has these weird abilities, they would give the kid that's blind some ability to compensate. They do. And I, uh, yeah, it comes up in book four. So, you know. (laughs) Oh, oh, only four. Tell me about chapter 12. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, I don't want to tell you about. Oh, wait, no, that is mine. I'm sorry. I thought it was yours. I was like, I don't want to tell you about chapter 12. That's yours. <laughs> chapter 12. Uh, Max, Bang, and Nudge set out towards the school. Max quizzes Nudge on the plan, including the location of the school, which is in Death Valley, a few miles north of the Badwater Basin, which she will not stop reiterating that it's like, can you imagine a worse place for something to be located? It's like it's in hell. And we have to cross the River Styx to get there. Uh, Paved on the road of good intentions. Max tries to flirt with with Fang, much to the annoyance of my 13-year-old self. Nudge brings up some notes and an address she saw in a file about her, but Max tells her to drop it, which is absolutely nutter butters to me because Nudge is like, (laughs) I saw a file about me, including my real name, and it had, like, an address in Arizona and Max is like that could have nothing to do with you. Nutter Nutter Butters. It is Nutter Butters. Nutter Butters. Okay. Anyway, so what gets me about this is like they can read, right? So they can tell like if they looked at the fucking file, they would be able to see that the file is specifically about Nudge and then be able to like go from there. But Nudge is like I was thinking that maybe that might be like where my parents live. And Max is like, no, that has nothing to do with you. Drop it. No, shut up, you stupid little bitch. I know, I know that same piece of paper has your real name on it. Uh, but no, it We're has nothing to do with you. We're gonna keep calling you nudge. Yeah. Um, there's a note, there's a quote from this chapter. That motor oh, mouth. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you picked this up. Because I literally thought the exact same thing when I read it. That motor mouth of hers could have turned Mother Teresa into an axe murderer. It's funny because Mother Teresa was a fucking terrible person. 
She believed that suffering was the way to heaven. She didn't try to alleviate suffering. Yeah. Anyway. So chapter 13. Uh, this chapter follows Angel at the school where she wakes up locked inside a dog crate. She hears the jumbled thoughts of the grotesquely mutilated children in the crate beside her. And though she tries to speak to them, they don't respond. Two scientists arrive and excitedly grab Angel for testing. This chapter was the most, like, I don't know how to describe it. The most detailed chapter, for sure, um, where she's, like, describing waking up in the crate and, like, you know, being scared and, like, hearing the thoughts of the children beside her who are basically, like, they're nonverbal and they're terrified and one of them is, like, really grotesquely mutilated. One of them just has fish scales on him. This is the first time it feels like reading a book and <laughs> a summary of events that happen in sequence. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, whereas Stephanie Meyer spent way too long describing things, James Patterson doesn't describe things much at all. Except for Fang. There's lots of descriptions of Fang. I think he's got a thing for Fang. I think he really wanted young teenage girls to have a thing for Fang. To be fair... He kind of nailed it. Oh, yeah. No, I was, uh, I had, I had, I used to, before the time when I had any money to like purchase posters or prints or anything to put on my wall, I used to just print out fan art of Fang and then hang it up above my bed. And Iggy. I liked Iggy too. (laughs) I liked Iggy too. But I think I didn't like him as much because I think <laughs> if the me at 13 had the same personality that me now does, I would definitely have liked Iggy a lot more because he's tall and he's skinny and he's got long, delicate fingers and he's blind and he's annoying. And <laughs> blindness, a trait that Sarah searches out in their partner. Absolutely. I'll let Brandon know. Uh huh. <laughs> Chapter 14. Nudge bitches about being hungry, so Max is now allowed to stop for food time. Because she couldn't stop because she wanted food. Because then Fang would think she's weak, I guess? I don't know. Max's entire personality a lot of the times is based around the fact that she wants Fang to think she's cool. So they find a cabin around some ski slopes and they break in and steal some old ass canned food and orange soda and they pass out after eating. And um, the canned food is one thing. I don't. I mean, it depends on the food, how long it'll last. Mm-hmm. Canned food can last a long time. But yeah. I do know that um, bottled soda doesn't. It really doesn't hold that long a couple years and everything is covered in a thick layer of dust so i'm just sitting here like well it's that soda has to be nasty this is a vacation home and it's summertime so i think the implication is just that it's been empty like if it's june it's probably been empty since like early march or february at that at that point and so that's only a few months um, the description of the dust makes it seem like it's been abandoned for, like, decades. You haven't seen my Lego shelf, because that shit gets dusty so fast, especially if there's what? no one around. Listen. Listen, Linda. Listen. I have Transformer shelves. I know. I understand the pain. But we also have pets in these houses. 
Yeah, but I mean... And that adds a lot to dust collection. We're also humans in these houses, and that adds way more. Also a lot to dust collection. <laughs> An empty house. Okay, we're, we're focusing too much on the dust. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm assuming that it has... that. The characterization of the amount of dust is probably just dramatic, and that it has not been empty for long enough for the the canned soda to be poisonous. To Chapter fifteen. Yes. Now we're focused on Iggy and Gazzy, who are very upset that they were left behind. Iggy is as old as Max and Fang, apparently, which I noticed in the chapter where she described everyone. This, in, it was like chapter two. Uh-huh. We never got an age for Iggy. Yeah, they. she pointed out that he was two months younger than Fang. Okay. I, and Fang I, okay. Is, is 14 and four months younger than her. So I am okay, assuming so that he's also supposed to be 14, if not like almost 14, because he's only two months younger than Fang. So Iggy is 14, we'll say. And Gazzy, the eight-year-old, is somehow the leader of this duo. He is some charismatic madman that's able to sway Iggy to his whims. I don't understand. Uh, So in his eight-year-old charismatic madman mind, he decides they need to make fucking fire bombs yeah in case the erasers return fire bombs yeah an eight-year-old and a 14-year-old are making bombs they're smart kids we are on (laughs) chapter I, i was gonna say the chapter number but then i realized that it makes it sound like it's near the end of a book uh it's not. We are on like page 30 <laughs> yeah. of this book, and we have an eight and 14 year old making bombs. Yeah. To fight off wolfmen. What's wrong? I, I the, the best part about all of this is that you have no concept of what's coming in the book. Like, you're reacting to all of this, like, oh my god, oh my god. And then, like, when we get to points later on down the line, you're gonna be like, you're gonna have a breakdown. You're gonna have have a mental breakdown. Because it gets worse. I already underestimated how insane this could be. I I was positive that it could not live up to the hype you were selling <laughs> and like and what that produced in the theater of my mind and was wrong. <laughs> so... I undersold it. I undersold how insane this book is. Chapter 16. Uh, Angel passes out after running on a treadmill for quite a while. A scientist shocking her with a baton every time she slows down. She wakes up later to hear two scientists talking about getting to experiment on and dissect her. When she's taken back to her crate, she falls asleep, but not before she notes that one of the boys from the crate next to hers is gone and probably not coming back. Yeah, she's being literally tortured. These scientists kind of fucked up. I'm not gonna lie. Kinda yeah, up. it's um, it's definitely a dramatization of the way that people who perform human experimentations behave. It's like um. 
the idea that if you make them out to be incredibly fucked up monsters, then you're not going to care what happens to them later. You know, like there's no point in, in just making them out to be like normal humans who are pushing the boundaries of science for what they believe to be the right thing when you can just make them out to be like psychopaths who just want to dissect a young child. Nuance. Yeah. Where is it? <laughs> well, we don't need any. <laughs> um, Chapter 17, Max wakes up in the cabin, realizing that she and Fang and Nudge have just slept almost entirely through the night, uh, like 10 hours. Uh, Max wakes everyone up, Fang steals some more food, and they all take off in the direction of the school. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, that is what happens. (laughs) Chapter 18. That's also Uh, the chapter where you find out that Nudge is a very slow waker-upper. You get the you get for the confirmation. Sure. For sure-sies. Yes. Chapter 18. Max whines more about how long they slept, and Fang points out that it was necessary because, you know, they're flying 600 miles to rescue their person. I don't even know how to describe that. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're flying 600 miles to rescue their person from some heavily guarded scientific institute. So, you know, we're kind of going to need food and sleep to be able to do that. Um, Nudge asks what the actual plan is, and Max doesn't have an answer. She has no good plan outside of ensuring that the other three escape while she stays behind. And what exactly that plan is, we don't know. Because she's like, I do have a plan, but everybody would escape except for me. And it's like, what does that mean? What what is the plan? What's the plan, though? What's your plan, though? Max, you can tell us. This is is an inner monologue. You can talk to us. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, Chapter 19. The gang thinks about what the two who were left behind must be doing while Max stares at stuff far below. Max is very accurate with her guesstimate that they are cursing her name back at the, uh, at the house. Uh-huh. And while they're flying, she's focusing a lot on the fact that, Oh, look at those teenagers down there. Look at them living their normal lives with their normal people problems. And our lives are so much better because we're free. And we don't have parents. Uh, but she notices that there's a girl being picked on by some bigger boys so she decides to go down and help much to fang's annoyance apparently max has a tendency to play hero so if this like this doesn't make any sense right like am i insane but like literally in the previous chapter which is two pages ago she was bitching about how much time they wasted falling asleep in the cabin and now she's going to drop take care of someone who she doesn't know and take more time out of their rescue attempt i uh i get it and i don't i get it from the perspective of i'm in a position to help Mm-hmm. and see somebody in danger so i need to help them um but at the same like no matter what she chooses she's kind of screwing somebody over now that she knows that there's something she could do to help so i see how it could it, be, it could be an inner conflict over what to do 
I understand that. If she's if she's the type of person that is uh, prone to to helping others constantly. Yeah, for sure. I just like I don't like the juxtaposition of like five minutes after. before this, she was like, "We wasted so much time sleeping." And she's like, oh, I'll be back in five seconds. It's not a big deal. Well. Well, well about that. Um, chapter 20. Iggy and the gas man are building bombs. They even looked up some schematics for a DIY bomb on the capital I internet. That's not going to get you tracked by the government. Yeah, I honestly don't understand how they could have internet all the way up here and have, like, like, who pay, how do they pay for their internet? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> chapter 21. Oh, did you have a thought? Apparently their computer just shuts down every 10 minutes. Yeah. So, Iggy just, like, went in. And took off some limiter on the fans, and now it works fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> this is 2006. James Patterson was already in his 50s. I mean, I don't know okay. how much technological understanding he has. I assume he had to write the books on a computer. But other than that, I don't know. <laughs> So chapter 21, Max confronts the group of guys ganging up on the girl, making note of their firearms and mocking the Second Amendment all at the same time. Uh, the guys are classic sexist assholes, so Max beats the shit out of them. The girl gets away and Max turns to run away herself. This, the way this is written is peak middle-aged man in the mid-2000s being like, hey, feminists, I'm woke too. Yeah. It was bad. Just like, yeah. It's once again, it's, there's no nuance. No, it's just, just like, these men are bad. Which isn't surprising, because all men are bad. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, James Patterson. <laughs> all right, James Patterson. All right. <laughs> Chapter 22. Max runs into the nearby woods because she can't show her wings. Side note. This is where writing this specific scene is where I realized I skipped a chapter because it was so easy to skip a chapter and had to go back and read the scene of Iggy and Gazzy making do-it-yourself bombs. I completely missed it. Oh! <laughs> How is this the so chapter where writing. you realized that? Yes. How? Because I was writing the scene. Oh! Down, and I was just like, wait, hold on. My scene count isn't making sense. <laughs> yeah. So Max runs into the nearby woods since she can't show her wings. She thinks she's getting away, but ends up getting shot in the shoulder and falls down a ravine. Landing in a patch of poison ivy. Her wing is injured, so she can't fly. And she remembers 
Jeb Bush telling her that her constant need to fight for the underdog is her fatal flaw. She needs to just stick with the centrist corporate loyalists for once. Please clap. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 23. Nudge and Fang land at a cave for snack time. Fang has hidden chocolate, which makes Nudge very happy. She asks about Max, and Fang says that they'll wait in the cave for her since it's just above Lake Mead, which is their meeting point should anything happen and they get separated. Nudge goes to look out towards the lake and notices... something? That something picks up in chapter 24. Uh, Nudge and Fang find a cluster of birds' nests outside of their little cave, and Fang identifies the big-ass birds as ferruginous hawks, the largest raptors in the States. Um, They sit down and watch them, and Fang shows them they're part birds so they don't get eaten. Is that how that works? Is that how how birds work? You know, when I was 13, I really thought it was. Uh, Now I'm like... Uh, they're gonna think you're freaky. They're not gonna think that you're part bird. Also, they you're not the same kind of bird that they are. Yeah, birds will eat other birds. Uh-huh. Or at least attack them. Yeah, that's, uh... That's a bad plan. <laughs> Chapter 25, Nudge and Fang take some flying lessons from the hawks, and Nudge gets sad watching the bird parent hawks take care of the baby hawks. <sighs> I read your note. <laughs> Please read it for me again. In the <laughs> okay, I can do that. I can do it. <clears throat> Why in the hell is a guy that's part bird named fucking Fang, bro? Why not? Uh, why not Beak? Oh. Gets me every time. <laughs> Ash just reading through Maximum Ride, like, I'm sensing some logical inconsistencies in this writing. I don't think James Re- Patterson has a very good understanding of plot development and sentence structure. <laughs> Reads through the scene where Max kicks the guy's ass. Yeah, like, this is exactly the kind of shit they were talking about in my gender studies class. Men are fucking assholes, bro. I know, like, I think that sometimes men just, like, look, these guys in this scene are not practicing active listening. (laughs) So, of course, she's got, oh, like, yeah. Beat the shit out of them. (laughs) We'll just run down a couple points here. These kids are 2% bird, 98% human. At this point in the book, it wasn't until, like, one of the last few chapters that they actually said they're part bird. Before that, you only know it because it says in the first chapter that they're, or in the prologue, that they're 98% human and 2% something else. And the back of the book says that 2% is bird. Do you? So, what? Do you remember? that I used to not read prologues. Oh my god. <laughs> I just oh remembered god. that this was one of those books where I didn't read the prologue. And I I was reading it, like, going through, and I was like, okay, so they're part bird, blah, blah, blah. What are erasers? What's going on? And our friend uh, Lizzie was like, 
did you read the the first part of the book she explained it and I was like yeah I mean I started at chapter one and she was like yeah but the prologue and I was like oh I had to read the prologue the weird thing about the prologue in this book is that even though you read it Max will re-explain things from the prologue as if you didn't read it but not everything oh yeah so you still will be confused but she'll re-explain things as if there was not a prologue there to help you at all and I'm just what was the point of the prologue if you were just going to repeat the things you said from the prologue? I don't know. I'm sorry. But, uh, so 2% bird. This means 13 foot wingspan. <laughs> hollow bones. Incredible strength, maybe? Or that's a result of the other experiments. I don't know. Eyesight. They've got raptor, raptor vision. Raptor eyes. They have raptor vision. Uh, which is how, from miles and miles in the sky, Max is able to see what's happening to the girl on the ground. Their eyes literally, like like a camera, will focus on something and then zoom in. You, you know how in, in, in that cop show on TV that I can't remember which one it actually is because they're so goddamn many of them uh but there's the meme from it where it's like zoom in enhance yes zoom in enhance mm-hmm. that's how raptor vision works yeah um so how does being two percent bird give you 13 foot wings and hollow bones i don't I, know i don't know also how do the hollow bones work? I, okay i know hollow bones aren't actually weak no um that they aren't because they're not made they're not formed the same way that our dense bones are um like dinosaurs were huge and they had hollow bones that said i don't know how well they hold up to strong impacts like getting the shit beat out of you by a half wolf half man yeah it's like she, she gets into this fight like a day and a half not even a day and a half just like the next day after getting into the fight with the erasers and she's got like her face is all fucked up and she's like still injured and stuff i don't know it's the healing time on a lot of us is very confusing and i sped up at times um i i don't i don't understand anything that's happening this is like Stephanie Meyer's biology was extremely <laughs> elaborate. It was often contradictory that, also. Yeah, but like because she put so much work into explaining it, it was so easy to break it down and be like, well, here's the things that don't make any fucking sense. Yeah. But this is so like surface level that I'm just like, I don't know what to even think about. This. Yeah. I know it's wrong, but, like, (laughs) why, how, the details, I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's bonkers. But that's the end of chapter 25, and that would be the end of of part one. And we, we filled a normal episode link. Looked like this format works. Yes, we did it. Congratulations, everyone. We made it through. Um, next week we'll be reading through, uh, another, like, roughly 80 pages. It's going to be chapters 26 through 48. 
right up until it butts up into part three of the actual book. Um, but. Moth is currently staring at the ceiling in annoyance. <laughs> Thank you for, uh, <laughs> for giving a visual description. Um, but that's, that's all I had on, on that section. Do you have anything else? Where my bird bitches at? Where your bird bit? What do you mean? Where your bird bitches where at? Where my bird bitches at? They're in the book. There's six of them. Where are my bird bitches at oh. in real life? Oh, I'm sorry. I we don't have any. Elon Musk. After you make <laughs> any bird bitches, follow us on Twitter at LitMastersPod. M is at M of many names. I am at Sarah S Wilton. Shoot us a coffee over at ko-fi.com/litmasterspod. Send us an email at literary masters pod Pod. (laughs) (laughs) let me try that again send us an email at literary masters pod at gmail.com uh our dms are always open on twitter uh we always want to hear from you over email um pretty much we're just constantly excited to get to hear from people and get their feedback i saw someone today said that they were listening to episode one of the podcast that that was insane i know i'm like dude she said she was loving it too and then she was like i love it and now i get to love it in gay because she was responding to the tweet i made about pride um uh, which w- yeah podcast <laughs> on the internet. We haven't said anything about it on the show, um, but you know, happy Pride. The show is brought to you by a non-binary pansexual and a trans lesbian. So, I mean, we're kind of the gayest show on the internet. Uh, <laughs> we at least we try to make it the gayest show on the internet. <laughs> this book is putting putting a wrench in the washing machine on that one just put yourself into the shoes of like a 13 year old and you'll be fine nope can't do it just gross why not just gross you can't just be like oh if i was 13 because i know that when i was 13 i had a huge crush on fang a 25 year old me would definitely have a crush on 25 year old fang or iggy i don't know i feel like iggy is Brandon, but like blind. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> we'll be back next week with another thrilling episode of the Literary Masters podcast. I've been Sarah. That's been Emmy. She's really upset with me. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bird bitches.